And welcome to Yoga for the Revolution, a show about self-care in the age of resistance. You're going to hear me say that again. I'll tell you why in just a second. This week, it's hot out. The heat of the summer has not at all, at all, given away to autumn. And it seems as though this, this pitta energy, this hot, pungent, spreading, piercing, vitriolic stuff is also just relentlessly penetrating my newsfeed. So it seemed like a great idea to revisit the science behind anger and the Ayurvedic approach to balancing heat with coolness. And as I was getting ready to do that episode, I realized I did that already. So I'm going to give you that episode again. Much of this episode was originally broadcast in episode 11, Amygdala Ayurveda and Curling Your Tongue. That was the name of that one. Back in May of 2017, May of 2017, we were like six months into a Trump presidency and had no idea what we were in for. Towards the end of the episode, I also offer a cooling breath known as Shatali breath. So stay tuned for that. Cool your jets and take a listen. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to Yoga for the Revolution, a show about self-care in the age of resistance. So, who's pissed off? I know I am. (laughs) I've been angrier or experienced more bouts of anger in the last six months than I have since... Like I was a teenager and I was angry about, you know, everything. There is, of course, a lot to be angry about. Tacit acceptance of hate speech, increased hate crimes, degradation of internet privacy laws, climate change deniers, heading the EPA, obfuscation of truth, denial of justice, unraveling of clean energy policies, continued attempts to erode the foundation of this country built by immigrants. Have we learned nothing from the isolationism and xenophobia of the past? Goddamn manifest destiny bullshit. Uh, I don't know. What else happened this week? Let's get into a little bit about what happens when you are angry. Physiologically, when we get mad, the rational part of our brain, the prefrontal lobes, I looked that up. That's not something I knew. Prefrontal lobes shut down and the reflexive back areas of the brain take over. That's the animal part. After your amygdala alerts your body, your adrenal glands kick into action They start pumping out chemicals like adrenaline, increasing your heart rate, the force of your heart contractions that causes that like chest fluttery feeling and blood flow to your brain and muscles all increases. Your body also starts making more testosterone, which kicks your aggression into a higher gear. All of those chemicals that pump through your body when you get mad, they can take a physical toll on the body. And here's where I quote, science people. According to a 2009 study in the Journal of the American College of Cardiology, subjects who were angry had a higher risk for developing coronary disease. Older studies also point to angry people showing signs of accelerated decline in lung function, speeding up the natural process of aging. Interesting. Now, if you remember our first conversation about stress, it's very similar. The chemicals released, the effects on the body, really similar. 
But we have the capacity for anger for a reason. As destructive as it can be, getting mad can also be motivating. Historically, that motivation helped us compete for scarce resources like food, cave real estate. When your brain kicks into fight mode, it also, this is interesting, I thought, lights up an area that's usually activated by more positive emotions, which is why I imagine it can be kind of addicting to be horrified by things, right? There's a rush to being angry. P.S. On the theme of anger as a motivator, May 6th, by the way, there's a day of action supporting more open immigration. And I know we don't often talk about specific dates and things that are happening on that date, but I did want to bring this up. This is uh, the Immigrants March, and that's taking place Saturday in Washington, D.C., with kind of sister events happening across the country. So take a look, uh, look up what's going on near you if you want to take action in that way. Back to anger as a powerful motivator, which it is. But when you look at the long-term effects, it's unsustainable and not recommended, right? We talk here about fighting for something instead of fighting against it. If you want to refresh or hear more about that, go back to episode two of this podcast, entertainingly titled Feminist Macrame. But for now, back to anger. Think of the words we use to describe anger or being angry. That conversation got heated. We got hot under the collar. Conversely, if you have like a a rash or something inflamed on your skin, we say it looks angry. Anything inflamed can be described as angry and vice versa. Do you guys remember Anger, the character from Inside Out, the movie? He was a red guy. Sometimes his head caught on fire. If you need a visualization of anger, that's it. Red on fire. Anger, by the way, was the best. First of all, I love Louis Black. I love being entertained by rage, a la John Oliver, Colbert, John Stewart, Louis Black, uh, as opposed to fearing rage or being cowed by rage. It's it's nice for, to flip the switch and be a little entertained by it. As a, also, as a double side note, because all of the people I just listed there are men, brings to mind the fact that anger is seen as more of a male trait than a female trait or at least it is accepted as more of a male trait than a female trait. There have been a number of studies done in adults and in children as young as five or six of people being shown an androgynous face, neither overtly male or female, with varying facial expressions. And when that kind of androgynous face expressed anger or the facial expressions associated with anger, right? That furrowed brow, the frown, that face was identified more often as male than as female. Some of that is cultural, of course. Women are conditioned against showing anger in certain ways. And in some instances, it's more acceptable for men to display anger traditionally. But Also, if you remember, we just mentioned that there is a hormonal component to this because part of the anger response includes the release of testosterone, which generally is more dominant in men. I just find that fascinating. This is not really a gender discussion. I just went there because I thought it was interesting and it just seems like something I would do. I mean, if we want, we could get into the election and how our conditioning of acceptable male versus female responses or expression totally fucked us. But that is a song for another day. Back to inflammation. We were talking about the relationship between inflammation. We, I say we were talking about, we, you know, you and me together in a back and forth conversation, not just me in my house 
alone with a dog and a microphone? We don't know yet if the inflammation triggers aggression or aggressive feelings set off inflammation, but it's a powerful indication that the two are biologically connected and a damaging combination, said researcher Dr. Emil Kakaro, a professor of psychiatry at the University of Chicago. They don't know yet if inflammation triggers aggression or aggressive feelings set off inflammation, but they do know they're biologically connected and a damaging combination. Now, in terms of Ayurveda, heat is heat, whether it's in spicy foods or spicy moods. Ayurveda is based on a system of 10 qualities and their opposites. These qualities are present in every single thing in the world. Apples, dogs, rocks, people, they all have a combination of qualities. Certain groups of qualities together make up the three doshas. Once again, Sanskrit alert, dosha. Every human is born with a certain balance of the three dosha or doshas. That is not to say we are born with all three in perfect balance, but that each person has their own natural balance of qualities that make them who they are. Dosha, the word itself, can be translated as that which, when vitiated, vitiates. Another way of saying, it's the thing that when you disturb it, it disturbs other things. Meaning, for our purposes here, if your doshas get out of whack, you'll start to feel those effects all over the place. So why did I go down this Sanskrit road when we were all comfortable talking about uh, Inside Out and Lewis Black? Because when we're angry, or more angry than we are in our natural state, we become imbalanced in a variety of ways, right? That which, when it is disturbed, disturbs other things. We've already talked about how Western science describes this doshic imbalance, and that's with words like chronic hypertension, coronary disease, decreased lung function. In perhaps simpler terms, we can think about how Ayurveda talks about this. Heat is heat. Spicy is spicy. If you are angry, you are hot. And excess heat can lead to all sorts of derangements, including all the ones we just talked about. Ayurveda has a few very basic philosophies to maintain balance and treat imbalance. One, like attracts like. If someone is feeling tired and lazy and maybe a little down, they might order in pad thai, which is heavy and a little sweet, right? That heaviness attracts more heaviness, and that will only add to the heaviness. I mean, that's an imperfect example, but is that starting to make a little bit of sense? Like attracts like. The second super basic philosophy is that opposite balances. In the summer, when it's hot out, we want to eat cucumber salad and watermelon and cooler things, right? Because we're seeking that balance. Most people are not looking to cook up a hearty stew in the middle of summer because hot. So I'm looking for us to make that connection here too. It's not just food and season, it's emotion and lifestyle and activity. In the heat of the summer, hot foods are going to add heat and cool foods will help balance. That's the same for emotions. If we're feeling hot, we need coolness to balance us. So simple. Think of our reaction to this administration as the heat of summer and the anger that comes with it as heating us up from the inside. And let me make a little caveat. I've studied Ayurveda. I have 200 hour foundational training. I'm on my way to a 500 hour extended yoga teacher training with Ayurveda. I'm not 
however, an Ayurvedic health practitioner, and I'm not diagnosing or treating any dis-ease or disorder right now. What I am doing is introducing principles and practices for consideration. There's a whole heck of a lot more that goes into Ayurvedic treatment and lifestyle optimization than this. You could be in balance and not need to cool down more, or out of balance in a way that's adding more coolness would not be optimal for you. But for the sake of this conversation, I'm really talking about this as situational, not systemic or overarching. We're talking about when you are feeling hot, here are some ways to add coolness because opposite balances. Simple as that. So I am going to lead a cooling breath practice. Now, relaxation in general will balance out an increase in stress response, which is part of what happens when we're angry. So we talked about that in the very first episode. So any conscious breathing can help serve to calm the nervous system and elicit the parasympathetic nervous system. This particular practice is called shitali, and it's a cooling breath that's said to purify your blood, rejuvenate your body. Remove excess heat in the body, which is what we are after specifically in this conversation, by reducing anxiety, fear, and depression. It's also said to help ulcers, constipation, acidity, and high blood pressure, indigestion, skin disease. Notice those are all inflammatory responses, right? So we're working to balance that and uh, enhance reproductive organs. Fancy. That's what I read. There are two main ways to do this breath and which one you do will just be completely determined by genetics. What a cliffhanger. Before we get started, I want to thank you for listening to Yoga for the Revolution. You can, and I encourage you to do so strongly, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and other podcast places. If you like the podcast, please rate it. You can always find full episodes on yogafortherevolution.org. You can write me an email, huh? Huh? I'd be happy to answer any questions you have about meditation or yoga or breathing, anything I can. You can talk to me on Facebook at facebook.com slash yogafortherevolution or follow on Twitter at y underscore f underscore t underscore r. First... I'll walk through the different techniques for this breath practice, and then we'll do it together. Okay. First question, can you curl your tongue? If you can, you probably know you can. And if you can't, you probably know you can't. You stick your tongue out and then roll it like a tiny tongue burrito. That sounded gross. Roll it uh, like a tiny burrito, bringing the sides of the tongue together to make a straw with your tongue. And in this breath, you'll sip in air through your tongue straw. I don't know why. I just don't know why that's gross, but it's feeling that way to me. But it's not gross. It's your tongue. Everything is fine. Just maybe I won't call it a burrito or a tongue straw anymore. When you inhale like this, the cool air from outside passes over the tongue. And then when you bring your tongue into your mouth, it creates a cooling feeling. I'm going to do a sound. So it's going to sound like this. If you can't do this, you can still get the effect of the breath by closing the jaw, keeping your lips open, but bringing your teeth together and breathing in through closed teeth, which I obviously can't show you, but I can demonstrate. So that will sound something like this. Yeah. Okay. So when I go through leading the practice, 
I'm going to lead it with cues for the curled tongue because that's the traditional way to do it. But if you're not doing that, just do inhale through the closed teeth and then close the mouth, exhale through the nose. So we'll do it once just so you get what we're doing and then we'll stop and reset and do a few rounds together after that. So first of all, sit in a comfortable position. You guys know this by now. If you're in a chair, then sit with your spine straight, feet firmly planted on the floor. If you're on the floor or if you're standing, just make sure your spine is long and you are able to expand the chest, expand the torso in order to get a good breath in. Close your eyes and relax. And you can begin relaxing simply by taking two or three deep inhales and exhales through the nose just to land and prepare. Find yourself in this moment. Give yourself some room. Notice if the to-do list comes in. Just make a mental note. Say, good. Good, I'm glad I have that list. I'm going to think about that in a few minutes. But for right now, bring your focus inside, extending the inhale, extending the exhale. Now prepare for the breath by either curling your tongue or closing your teeth. And take a breath in and make that a long, smooth, controlled inhalation over the rolled tongue, allowing the air to pass over your tongue, creating that cooling sensation. And then draw the tongue in, close the mouth, and exhale through the nose. When you're ready to breathe in again, stick the tongue out, curl, and repeat. And then release. Come back to your normal breath. With practice, the duration of your inhale can gradually become longer to increase that cooling effect and the number of rounds you do could increase. I have read, you know, increase from nine rounds to 15 rounds and I'm not solid on the science behind the number of rounds. I have read, you know, 15 rounds is sufficient or, you know, quadruple that in hot weather. But for us, for now, let's just start, let's get the practice going And then that can be a tool that you have in your toolbox to use after you watch the news or uh, when it's hot outside and you don't have an ice cream or really anytime you feel heat, this is a cooling breath to have in your toolbox for however many rounds you want to do it. So let's begin again and we'll do a few rounds together. Regain your grounded seat. Take two or three or four deep inhales and exhales through the nose, coming back to your body, back to sensation of the breath, and then prepare to breathe in either through curled tongue or closed teeth. Ready? Inhale. Draw the tongue in, close the mouth, and exhale through the nose. Stick your curled tongue out and inhale. Bring your tongue into the mouth exhale through the nose. Stick the tongue out and inhale. Bring your tongue into the mouth, exhale through the nose. Stick out your curled tongue, 
Inhale, sipping in air. Bring the tongue and the cool air into the mouth. Exhale through the nose. Tongue goes out. Sip in air. Tongue comes into the mouth. Exhale through the nose. Last one. Tongue comes out. Sip in air. Bring the tongue into the mouth. Exhale through the nose. Release the action of the tongue. Return to your normal breath. Take a moment to notice. It's an uncommon thing to do, so it might feel weird or different. Just notice that. Do you feel warm or cool, energized or calm, maybe thirsty? Take a moment just to notice. Take a moment to cool down. There is a lot of heat in this world and in our lives, and this is just one simple practice to balance it out. Remember, like attracts like and opposite balances. So until next time, keep breathing and live to fight another day.